And so it says, in his days, and when he says in his days, he's referring to Jehoiakim's days. Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came up, and Jehoiakim became his vassal for three years. So he served the king of Babylon for three years, and then he returned, notice, then he turned and rebelled against him. Every creature's unique in the song that it sings, all exclaiming, Welcome, everyone, and thank you for joining us. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher Rob Kellogg. In today's episode, we see much going on between kingdoms. Judah had a very strategic position, which greatly concerned Nebuchadnezzar. Therefore, it was important to him to conquer Judah and make it a subject kingdom. Nebuchadnezzar came against Jerusalem because the pharaoh of Egypt invaded Babylon. In response, King Nebuchadnezzar defeated the Egyptians at Carchemish, and then he pursued their fleeing army all the way down to the Sinai. Along the way, or on the way back, he subdued Jerusalem, who had been loyal to pharaoh of Egypt. Now let's join Pastor Rob as he begins chapter 24 in the book of 2 Kings. Let's open our Bibles tonight to uh, 2 Kings chapter 24. We're getting toward the end of 2 Kings. We're getting to the very end of 2 Kings. And you remember the last couple of weeks, uh, the, the last couple times we've been in Second uh, Kings, uh, we've been looking at the life of Josiah, the, one of Israel's finest kings, uh, perhaps next to David. You know, David and Josiah, I think of Hezekiah just being really amazing kings, certainly Solomon in the first part of his, his reign, but Josiah was just one of those men that the there doesn't seem to be a whole lot that he did wrong he made some uh, a bad decision toward the end of his life and it actually prematurely ended his life but up to that point uh, God was very well pleased with this man and as I begin reading this uh, chapter this week it really uh, brought something to my memory and that is you know, we're really looking at, after Josiah had passed away, God gave Judah in Jerusalem about 22 years. Remember, Josiah was this great reformer king, and he was really undoing a lot of the idolatry and a lot of the uh, pagan practices that Judah in Jerusalem had adopted, and, and God was going to bring judgment upon them, and, and he wasn't going to withhold it. But God told Josiah that through the prophet Huldah, the, a prophetess actually, he told, her, told Josiah through her that, God was, that, that judgment was coming and there was no way to avert it. However, God would not cause it to come to pass during Josiah's reign. And Josiah reigned for, I believe it was like 31 years 
And so he had a great and long and wonderful reign. And I can imagine just the, uh, how Jerusalem was at that time. Uh, the Bible tells us that at that time, after they had cleaned up the house of the Lord and the temple, and they rooted out all of the, all of the junk that was in the temple from the idolatrous worship, as soon as they got rid of all the high places and the, and the detestable things that were going on, once God cleaned house... Uh, through Josiah, they had a Passover that was, the Bible says, it was unlike any other Passover. There was not one like it, and there there wouldn't be one after it like that. It was just so amazing. And so Josiah was this reformer king, and uh, but after him, and we're going to see this tonight as we look through the life of his son, Jehoiahaz, down through his other son, Zedekiah, uh, that God would give them about 22 years after Josiah had passed from the scene. And it wasn't a 22 years that was good either. It was a time of uh, slow, steady decline into the pit. And then finally God was just going to be done with Jerusalem uh, for a season. And and we have to remember that, that God, even though he does bring judgment, um, there's always light at the end of the tunnel. And God had foretold that, yes, he would allow his people to be taken into captivity, but yes, he would bring them back. And I think there's something there for us to hang on to because, you know, maybe you're going through something difficult and, um, and maybe it's a, a trial that's really difficult for you. Maybe it's painful. Maybe it's financially painful. Maybe it's spiritually or emotionally difficult for you. And yet God, in allowing these things in our life, he's not doing it to punish us or to, or to, um, to do something to get us to be destroyed. No, it's rather the opposite. Because when God does these things in the life of a believer or his people, he's doing it to chasten them. And remember, chastening is always with the idea of instruction to turn. And there's a difference, isn't there? Because when somebody is destroyed for their, for their sin, that, that's a judgment, right? Um, but God, when he allows these things in the life of his people, he always has a plan. And yes, some of them may be destroyed. Some of them may be going through very difficult things, as you and I can go through difficult things. But his end is always to draw us back to himself. It's, it's conviction, and it's, it's, it's not con- condemnation. Condemnation is just basically you've done something wrong. I push you away. I never, ever want to see you again. That's condemnation. But conviction is, yes, you have done something wrong. You're going to have to go through some... Uh, things to learn a lesson here, but I want to tell you that at the end, I'm going to be with you through it. You've made this circumstance that you're in, but I'm going to love you through it, and I'm going to see you through the end of it, and I'm going to restore and renew you if you're willing. And see, that's God's heart. And that's his heart toward his people. And as I've been reading this chapter over uh, Jehoiahaz and Jehoiakim and Jehoiachin and Zedekiah, And I thought about those 20 years that God is going to give them. Because, I mean, think about it. After Josiah died, God could have just wrapped it up right then and caused the Babylonians to come in and invade and be done with it. Because did God know what was going to happen for the next 22 years? He did. He knew because he's Almighty God. He knew. But he gave them another chance. And in that 22 years, they just continually slumped toward the base things, and they continued back into their idolatry. All the stuff that Josiah had done, was it seemed like it was for nothing. And 
Judah and Jerusalem just plunged to the depths again. And it didn't surprise God. And he would punish them for it. But he would do it with the intention. And, all, and even the scriptures foretold that he would bring them back to their land again. If they would return to him. If, they would, if my people who, who are called by my name, if they, if they, see, if they repent of their sin and, and, and turn their face toward me, then I will heal their prayer and I'll heal their land. Second Chronicles 7.14 But again, as I've been thinking about those 20 years that God had given Jerusalem and Judah, I began to think about our nation. Think, think back 20, 20, 22 years from this moment. Where were you? What were you doing? And that is the amount of time, the amount of grace that God gave them after Josiah had passed from the scene. And that may seem like a long time, and 20 years is quite a bit of time. And he gave them that space to turn, but they didn't. And you know, I wonder, as God gave them that space to repent, I, I thought about our own country, I thought about America, and I thought about where we began as a country, and I, and I thought about where, how far we've come in 250 years, or whatever that time frame is, roughly that time frame, you know, what God has done in America and, and the great things that have happened in America. And yet now we are seeing our culture and our society just coming unraveled. And I'm not saying that God is blaming the church for those things, but I will say that it, it, it's a good opportunity for us, the church, not only our fellowship here, but all over our country, it's really good for us to examine ourselves and say, Lord, what, what do you want to do? How do you want to change us in this time? And, and not to make anybody feel condemned here or anything like that, but you know, God always spoke to his, his people. You notice he, he didn't really speak to the nations so much, but he did speak to his people about their, the way they ought to live. And there would be blessings and cursings based on those things, based on obedience. Now, we don't live under the law, but we live under grace. But that doesn't mean we throw away the things that we know we ought to do that are good. No, they're, they're supposed to teach us something, but we, we do walk in grace now through faith in Jesus Christ. But I, I wanted to read something to you before we get on here because... Uh, I'm going to take you to Deuteronomy in just a minute, but in Exodus 34... Verse 4, remember, uh, just prior to this, the children of Israel had, uh, they were there at the Mount Sinai, they were around the bottom of it, remember God called Moses up to the top of Mount Horeb, and as he was there, they began to make a, a golden calf, and remember that whole thing, and they, they were worshiping it, and then Moses comes down from the mountain with two tables of stone, writ with the law of God written on them, and so he comes down, he sees this things, he breaks the, stone, the two, two stone tablets, and then God, at a second time, and we read about it in chapter 34 of Exodus, that God uh, asked Moses to hew out two more tables of stone. He goes up and to the mountain, it says in verse 4, He hewed two tables of stone like unto the first. 
And Moses rose up early in the morning and went up to Mount Sinai as the Lord had commanded him. And he took in his hand two tables of stone. And the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. So the Lord is physically, evidently present. A presence of God, probably an incarnate representation, an incarnate of Jesus Christ, perhaps. A pre-incarnate vision of him. And notice what he proclaimed. The Lord proclaimed about himself. And the Lord passed by him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, and that will by no means clear the guilty. Ouch! I liked everything up to that point, you know, gracious and long-suffering, abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, <clears throat> and, then, and by no means will clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and upon the children's children unto the third and the fourth generation. And another scripture tells us, uh, unto those who hate me. Okay, so it's not, he's not going to punish one person's sin uh, upon another, but uh, of those generations that hate him, that he will bring their iniquity upon them. And I was thinking of that and just thinking of how, how God is so good, even in his judgment, even in his chastening. And certainly he was going to bring Israel, as we're seeing, right to the end. And, and yet, let's not forget, you know, as we read these things and we see the decline and the the just the, the, the dismantling of, of the nation, and it just goes down into a ball of fire before God calls in the Babylonians. It's a really discouraging time for them. And I liken what we're going through in our country very similar to that. I don't know where we are at, where we are at in, the, in, the, in the grand scheme of things about what, what God is going to do or what he's doing but I will say this, and, and, and I hope you can come away from it with this. Don't give up. Don't give up on the United States. Don't give up on your country, and also don't give up on the Lord. As Christians, let's not throw in the towel and think, well, this is it, you know, the God has told us that these things are coming here, we can see these things starting to come to pass. Well, we might have, ah, you know, and then you're just kind of like, well, why don't we just lay down and die and and get this thing on, you know, but uh, I, I don't think that's the way we need to be. I think we should be shining brighter right now. And I don't know, I I pray that God would move in a really wonderful way in our country once again before he removes the church. Even in our darkest hour, and our darkest hour may be ahead of us yet. I don't know. But I pray that God would do something really awesome. But it's got to start with the church. It can't start with anybody outside the church. It has to start here. It has to start with us. And so I want to encourage you just to draw close to God. Really get serious with Him. Put away the sins that you know that you're doing that aren't right and those things that... Um, and, and stop making excuses for, I'm not doing this, I'm not doing that. You know, let's get after it. Let's, let's get motivated in, in Christ. Not out of some legal obligation, no. But do everything out of a love for Him. And Lord, may Your love not wane in me. And Lord, may Your love and Your light that you're shining in the church, may it not be snuffed out, Lord. Would you please shine your light upon us tonight?
and the, the entire church. Here and all over our country, Lord, would you do that work and just reignite us again and fill us with your spirit. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. As we looked at 2 Kings 23 last week, if you remember, Josiah now, he restores the true worship of God and he rids Jerusalem, like I shared before, of its idolatry, its idolatrous practices. He reinstitutes the Passover, and it was the greatest Passover that they'd ever had. And God promised that his judgment would come against Israel. Um, and he, he spoke uh, a really wonderful word to uh, Josiah through the prophetess, uh, Huldah. And um, we know that it was around uh, just prior to this, in 612 B.C., the Neo-Babylonians, uh, meaning the, the Chaldeans, Babylon and the Medes, they, uh, that empire conquered Nineveh. The, the empire of Assyria was slowly declining, but now this Neo-Babylonian uh, influence and this, this empire was on the rise, and it was, it was soon to be the world empire. And the, the Assyrian Empire was starting to wane. And so, finally in 612 B.C., the uh, Neo-Babylonians, the, Chaldon, or the Chaldeans, the Babylonians, the Medes, they came against uh, the capital of Assyria, Nineveh, and destroyed it. And then from many from Assyria then, they fled to, from Nineveh westward uh, to Carchemish, which is in the very north of Israel, right around the uh, Euphrates River, and there was a battle there with uh, the Babylonians who had s- sought to come and, 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 and have this battle at Carchemish, finishing off certainly perhaps those Assyrian uh, people who had fled from Nineveh and also engaging Egypt at the same time. And as a result of this war in 612, uh, Babylon would rise as the greatest empire in the world at this time. And Pharaoh Necho, remember in chapter 23, went out to battle to aid the Assyrians against this greater foe that all of them had, and that was Babylon. So Egypt comes up from the, from the south, and they join the Assyrians fighting against the Babylonians. And while that is happening, um, uh, Josiah and his army go out to meet Pharaoh Necho right around the area of Megiddo in Israel. And they have a battle there, and Pharaoh Necho wanted uh, Josiah and his army to stand back. He says, this fight is not for you. Just just get out of the way and let me do what i got to do. But he didn't listen, you remember, and then he came against uh, Pharaoh Necho, and ultimately he got killed in the process. And uh, verses 28 through 30 in chapter 23 tell us about how Josiah died in battle at Megiddo. And... um, and Josiah's son, uh, Jehoiahaz, then becomes king. And um, so let's look at verse uh, 31 in Second Kings chapter 23. I said we're going to start in 24, but we're just going to back up just a little bit. So notice in verse 31 of Second Kings 23, it says, So now that Josiah has passed from the scene, it says, uh, Josiah was 23 years old when he became king. And he reigned three months in Jerusalem, and his mother's name was Humutel, the daughter of Jeremiah of Libna. Now, this is not Jeremiah the prophet. 
This is a different Jeremiah. And notice, concerning Jehoiahaz, he did evil in the sight of the Lord according to all that his fathers had done. Certainly not Josiah, but the fathers that prior to that. Um, people like um, you know Ahaz and his forefathers who were evil. Uh, he, he did all those things, just like his forefathers. And now Pharaoh Necho put him in prison at Riblah in the land of Hamath, that he might not reign in Jerusalem. And he imposed on the land a tribute of 100 talents of silver and a talent of gold. So, um, And remember, it was just not too long before Josiah was meddling in Pharaoh Necho's battle against Babylon. Just after he died, three months later, they put... Josiah's son, Jehoiahaz, on the throne, but now Pharaoh Necho gets a hold of him and puts him in prison at Riblah. Now, Riblah is uh, north of Damascus. Uh, I forget how many miles, probably at least 50 miles uh, north of Damascus. So it's right along there in modern-day Lebanon, Syria, probably more like Syria. Uh, modern-day is where this place was. And then um, in verse 34, it says, Then Pharaoh Necho made Eliakim, uh, the son of Josiah, king in, his, uh, in place of his father, Josiah, and changed his name to Jehoiakim. And Pharaoh took Jehoiahaz and went to Egypt, and he died there. <laughs> and so Jehoiakim reigned from 609 B.C. to 598 B.C., a total of 11 years. And it tells us, uh, you don't have to go there, but in your Bible, if it doesn't already have a reference to this, maybe write it down. We're going to look at uh, 2 Chronicles chapter uh, 30, uh, uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 36, I believe it is. <laughs> and it says, so Jehoi- Jehoiakim gave the silver and the gold to Pharaoh, because Pharaoh had put a, a levy on, on the state of Israel, or on, the, on Judah. But he taxed the land to give money according to the, land, the command of Pharaoh, and he exacted the silver and the gold from the people of the land, from everyone according to his assessment, and gave it to Pharaoh Necho. Now Jehoiakim was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned 11 years in Jerusalem. And his mother's name was Zebudah. Uh, the daughter of Pedaiah of Rumah, and he did evil in the sight of the Lord according to all that his fathers had done. Um, and so it's a, it's a pretty horrible thing. He, he didn't learn anything. <laughs> so Jehoiahaz, three months, and now uh, Josiah's other son, Jehoiakim, comes into power uh, for 11 years. So let's begin now at 2 Kings 24 in the very first verse. And so it says, in his days, and when he says in his days, he's referring to Jehoiakim's days. Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came up and Jehoiakim became his vassal for three years. So he served the king of Babylon for three years and then he returned, notice, then he turned and rebelled against him. So for a while, Jehoiakim was willing to be a vassal Uh, to submit to Nebuchadnezzar, but then he rebelled against him. And it's around this time, I'd like to read to you uh, something uh, concerning Daniel, because it was around this time that Daniel, that when Nebuchadnezzar came up against Jerusalem, that he took some of the people captive, and Daniel and his three fellows were 
among that group. Notice with me in Daniel chapter 1. I'll just read it to you. You can write down the reference, but I'm just looking at Daniel chapter 1, verses 1 through 7 here. Uh, It says, in the third year, again, Daniel chapter 1, in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim. That's the end of our lesson for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of 2 Kings. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.